Good day, good day, good day, everybody. Welcome to episode, you know, I forgot to check, but I think it's episode 16. (laughs) I'll double check that. But I'm your host, Michelle Wynn, and um, I'm glad that you were able to join me today. I had made a decision last Friday when I recorded my last episode that I would try to record on Fridays. That's usually the day that I take off work. Um, However, (laughs) it's not quite Friday. It's more like Saturday. So like it is 1.26 in the morning. So it's technically Saturday, but um, it's finally a quiet moment. So I thought I would get on here and record my next episode. Um, Currently reading a a Joyce Meyer book uh, and um, wanted to talk about a couple of things that I've read uh, so far. Just started it today, or yep, today, Saturday, Friday. Friday, Saturday-ish. So I haven't gotten into it that much yet, but um, kind of wanted to talk about what I discovered about myself so far. So stay tuned. So I hope everybody is doing well. Um, I'm recording from my phone again. Uh, because I am sitting up in bed and um, the reason why I'm recording at 1 in the morning or 1.30 in the morning is because uh, the last couple of days I have been nursing a nice little migraine. (laughs) Uh, So um, it... um, my migraine was kind of bad today, so um, I kind of was taking it easy and just kind of chilling out a little bit, uh, sleeping throughout the day, trying to stay calm and stay in the dark and try to deal with the migraine or try to help it to go away. It didn't really go away, so I ended up having to take some medication for it and then The medication made me sleepy, so slept pretty much all afternoon, and now I'm wide awake at 1.30ish in the morning on Saturday morning, so that is why I am recording bright and squirrely um, today. So, um, as I said in the intro, I'm reading a Joyce Meyer book. And this book, um, I don't know when she wrote this one. Um, I feel like it was a few years ago. Um, Some of the reviews go back as far as 2015. So maybe about five years ago she published this book. Um, But this book is The Confident Woman. Start uh, today living boldly and without fear. So... I just purchased this book and uh, started reading it tonight. And, you know, I like Joyce Meyer books for the most part. And uh, so I thought this uh, looked like a good book to read. I think I saw on Facebook where she was offering this book or maybe a book similar 
um, for just any donation. But I ended up just going to my uh, Kindle and purchasing the book right out. So that is what I did. So I haven't gotten that far into it. I'm only on chapter one. But I did um, find some things that uh, struck me uh, a little bit. So I wanted to talk about them. But I have to find what it was that stuck out to me in the first day, in the first place. So let me go back and see just a second. Oh, okay. All right. So this is kind of just her intro to the book. And she's talking about some statistics about women, some statistics about uh, being married, and just basically giving um, the opinion about, you know, you don't have to feel um, incomplete if you're not married, or if, you know, if you don't have that marital relationship, that you're just as valued um, as a single woman um as you are as one that's in a marital relationship which i think is um accurate i think it's biblical um i think it's accurate um sometimes as single women i think maybe we do feel like women that have that choose to have you know a spouse and 2.3 kids and a career uh you know they're making it happen in all those avenues. Whereas if you're a single person, sometimes, you know, all you have is your career and, you know, um, sometimes I I guess that makes you feel inferior. Um, I know for me when I was younger, um, I feel like I was always seeking, um, to be married. But then when I actually got married, (laughs) I was like, what the heck did I do this for? (laughs) But that could be because maybe I didn't possibly marry the right person. Um, Again, I, um, you know, was married to someone that drank a lot. Um, I loved him and I know he loved me. But that just, I think that just wasn't the right situation for me um, at the time. And so being divorced has been okay. Um, I think for years after my divorce, I felt like I still wanted to provide my daughter that whole uh, husband-wife household or the two-parent household. Um, So I spent a lot of time thinking that I was trying to find that kind of relationship for her. And then it finally hit me when she became deep into her teenage years, probably about 16, that I probably should stop trying to uh, find that two-parent household relationship that I thought I was looking for for her because she was already 16. And, you know, what man was going to come in and be a, a father to her? At 16, she's almost an adult. <laughs> so... um I kind of stopped that search after that. And, um, you know, I still dated, but um, 
I, I stopped the search for the whole somebody coming in to be a father uh, to her, which was better, I think, because it took a lot of the pressure off to try to find that right person. And, you know, when I didn't find that right person, you know, you feel, uh, well, at least for me, I felt a little bit, um, felt a little bit like a failure, felt, felt a little bit like, um, you know, I wasn't living up to somebody's ex- expectations. I don't know whose expectations they were. <laughs> I guess they were ones that I adopted, but where they came from, I don't really know. Um, but I was glad when I finally took that pressure off of myself and just said, hey, you know what? I don't need to try to search for this kind of uh, scenario for her because, you know, it's just not, it's not necessary so that was um, very freeing for me but um, Joyce also goes into you know talking about her uh, sexual abuse as a child and what struck me um, in that part of what she was talking about um, she talks about how inwardly uh, she was uh, fearful but outwardly she presented herself as a tough bold person who uh, couldn't care less about what others thought about her. And she created a pretend me, is what she calls it, so that no one would discover the real me. And that part of the book so far has really struck home with me because I feel like prior to my accident, that was me. That was my whole life. I had this facade of who I wanted people to see me ask, as to mask the person that I really was because I felt like the person that I really was was, well, I felt that she was weak, but she was not confident and that she was very needy, um, emotional, and like I said, weak. And there's a lot of things that uh, went to went into me feeling that way, but that's the way I felt. So in order for me to not feel like I was coming across as weak, insecure, um, and things of that nature, I did kind of put up a facade of you know, I'm a strong person. I don't need anybody. I don't need this. I don't need that. Um, So I I wore a mask a lot um, just to hide the insecure person that I really was. And it wasn't really until after my accident that I really dropped that wall and took that mask off and really started to show people who I really am. And it's very scary to really be that vulnerable, to really have people see the real you. Because you feel, well, at least for me, I feel kind of exposed. And one of my biggest fears, I guess, if I were to have one, is to be judged by people. 
I don't like to be judged or I don't like to feel judged. And so having that wall removed and having people see the core of who I am without the wall up, because the wall wasn't really uh, who I was really. It was just who I pretended to be. But to have that wall down, it's very uh, scary to have people see the real me. But come to find out, people actually like the what they call the new me, but that's not really the new me. It's just the me that I am right now. So um, I found that to be interesting about myself, that I just kept this wall up. Um, that I had this pretend facade, this pretend me, that really wasn't who I was at all. So just kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit because that's what I did. So what I'm doing, I'm just switching back to uh, the recording because I have the app. I have the, uh, I'm using my phone to record. But I also have the book in in my uh, Kindle on the app. So I was switching back just to make sure. Because it only gives me a certain amount of time as I'm recording. So sometimes I have to do in two segments if that is, you know, if I go longer than what they allow uh, me to record. And so Anchor is the, anchor.fm is the website that I record my podcast on. Um, if you've heard some of my earlier podcasts, you probably heard uh, me do a sponsorship for Anchor. But that's how I do my podcasts. So I just always have to go back to the Anchor app if I am using the phone to record. Um, I have to go back to see what my time is. So that's what I was checking when I went to quiet there for a second. So switching back to the book. And uh, I do think as I get more into this book that I will probably discover more about the real me and the fake me, (laughs) for lack of a better term. Uh, The pretend me is what Joyce says, so I'll use that one because that sounds more better than fake. (laughs) The pretend me and not the fake me. Um, But kind of to find out the differences between the pretend me and the real me. So I thought that would be a good subject to talk about. So let me switch back to my podcast app here just to see where my time is. Oh, I'm doing pretty good on time. So I'm going to go back over here to the book. Now, Joyce says that she was filled with shame and condemnation over you know, something that a man had done to her as a child. And she says, I must confess that for many years, I held a rather low opinion of men as a result. Uh, But she says, today, however, I believe I am a well-balanced woman. I have a wonderful husband and four grown children. So that's what she says. And of course, we know that she's a founder of a worldwide ministry and she helps millions of people find salvation through Jesus Christ and she's written a lot of books and uh, part of what she says here is she has helped people find freedom and wholeness in their lives so 
that is a beautiful thing <laughs> for her. Um, like I said, I've, I've read some of her books. I like her as an author, and I like her as a, a minister too. I watch her, I watch her on TV a lot. Um, so, um, yeah. So I think um, as time goes on and as I get further into this book, I will um, be able to distinguish the pretend me from the real me and talk a lot about it because I think. A lot of times we as women and mothers and wives, you know, we do have to put on certain masks in certain situations. You know, if we're in the corporate world, we have to wear that corporate mask. So we have to be tough. We can't appear to be weak or girly, especially if we're in a man's world. We have to be just as tough or even tougher than any man in the room. So we have to do that. Um, Also... Uh, We have to, especially if we are single parents, uh, we have to be the strong parent, uh, the one that brings home the finances and then be the disciplinarian as well. And then but then switch and be a friend to our kids. So we have to be a disciplinarian plus a friend plus a mother plus a provider. And that's a lot of hats to wear. And then, of course, if we are married, you know, we add on the having to be a wife and, you know, of course, the managing the house um, and things like that. So there's a lot of hats that we wear. And sometimes for me, I felt like uh, back then I could kind of lose myself in all those roles because, you know, I was a wife, I was a mother, I was a caregiver, and I was doing for everybody else seemed like instead of myself. And then Once I was divorced, of course, I was still a mother, still a a caregiver uh, because my mom had an illness before she passed away. So I was her caregiver. Um, Wasn't really caring for myself. But then, of course, I had this uh, pretend me thing going where, you know, I wasn't really showing people who I was. And um, finally, a million years later... I'm at the point where um, I am starting to show people the real me. And like I said, people have said that they like the real me. Um, So I I think I'll probably start by saying how I got there to get to the showing people the real me uh, as opposed to the pretend me. And I probably have talked about it in other podcast episodes before. But I'll get back into it again, so I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll be right back. All right, so I am back. I fixed my microphone here. And I was just kind of listening to what I had recorded so far. And so I think I'll go into this part of the episode. Um, I'm trying to figure out, but this part of the episode... I want to try to talk about the beginning of the pretend me. And so I was just sitting here trying to remember when the pretend me started. Um, Because I'm not really sure. I mean, because I was that person for so long. 
because um, I don't really know when I started, when that, you know, when that all started. I just um, trying to go back to at least high school, where in high school um, I was, you know, like most people in high school, uh, insecure. I was um, overweight. And so I was what they call now bullied for that. Um, I didn't know it as being bullied at the time. I just felt like, you know, people were making fun of me. But, you know, yeah, I guess technically that is being bullied. So I was bullied because of my weight. And um, that was... um, kind of hard because um, it didn't make me feel insecure. Uh, One of the things that I remember in high school was that um, my outlet was I used to write. Um, I used to write poetry and just write things, stories, short stories and things like that. Um, I haven't written anything in a very long time, so um, probably should do that again because that was one of the things that kind of kept me um, sane I guess it kind of kept me from um, I don't know it kind of it kind of helped me with my insecurities a little bit because I could make up these short stories and and write poems and that made me feel not so bad about myself um, so I really took to heart what a lot of my classmates were saying about me. Um, like I guess most teenage, most teenagers are, you know, you want to be accepted at that age. You want to feel like you are like everybody else that you go to school with. And so when people perceive you as being different and they kind of bully you for being, you know, different, um, that's hard that's you know teenage years is a hard age and uh so it was very difficult for me but prior to high school and grade school um I was a child who had trouble learning um I didn't learn like the other kids did um I didn't read very well uh Back in first, second, third grade, I was not the greatest reader. Um, even, I guess, even as far as um, up to eighth grade, uh, I wasn't the best reader. Uh, I improved, but I wasn't the best reader. I was a terrible speller. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was a terrible speller. Couldn't I still have trouble spelling. But uh, that was... Um, that was my learning environment. I was very, it took me so much longer to learn things that it seems like other kids my in my class would pick up right away. Um, one of the things about my daughter, um, she was always smart. And uh, she, I was always envious of how she could learn things and pick up things really quickly. And... Uh, I always wish that that was me growing up uh, when I was in school. She was very smart, um, very 
just quick-witted and very smart, book smart, as well as just just common sense smart. I didn't really have that, I felt like. So um, I guess, you know, by the time I was out of high school, um, yeah, I guess by the time I was out of high school, um, I just was a very insecure young woman. And I just remember um, going on a path of losing weight because I was finally trying to lose weight in, I guess I started probably 11th grade, but maybe, yeah, between 11th, so my uh, junior and senior year in high school is kind of when I started losing weight. Um, So by the time I graduated from high school, I was much thinner. And then I kind of took that ball and ran way over (laughs) the end zone because I turned that weight loss into uh, an eating disorder. And I think the eating disorder was uh, just like a function or byproduct of the insecurities that I had had. Um, I still didn't like myself. Although I like the fact that I was getting thinner and then I was thinner and I got more attention from boys or um, I guess I was 18. So it'd be boys or men. (laughs) Um, I was getting attention from older men. um, And I kind of liked that because that was new for me because I didn't get a lot of attention from boys when I was in high school. Um, But then what I learned or what I know now, which I didn't know then, was that when you were getting the attention from the older guys, they were really only interested in one thing. And so um, I um, learned that, and then that kind of fed into my insecurities more because once I realized that the older guys were really just interested in the one thing, that made me feel even less than. So the insecurity was more. I had more of the insecurity. And so that made my eating disorder uh, more prevalent because I think my eating disorder was not really about the losing weight anymore. It's just about my self-esteem and how low my self-esteem was. And actually really just not wanting deep down, just not feeling good enough about myself to just want to take care of myself or even to live. And so I do remember um, going from a size 16, I don't know what my weight was, but I remember right um, at my lowest, I was about 95 pounds. So I went from, you know, maybe 160, 170 pounds to 95 pounds. And uh, I wasn't healthy. I wouldn't eat. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I just had a bad self-image. I didn't, I don't think I really had body dysmorphia, or whatever they call it. Uh, a lot of uh, girls with eating disorders had. But uh, I just didn't like myself. But I, I did like the skinnier me, or at least I thought I did. Uh, just, but that was just the outward, the inward person. I still didn't like her so much because she was very insecure. So, uh, that's what my eating disorder was about. And that went on until, 
you know, my early 20s. Uh, did some reckless things with, you know, older guys. And uh, I guess I was searching for uh, acceptance, approval, you know, love, self-esteem, you know, all that I think I was searching for. But I was looking for all that stuff in the wrong place because really it was something that I should have had within myself or should have tried to, to develop within myself, but I didn't. Um, so I went through those early teen, late teens, early 20s as a very insecure person with an eating disorder, just didn't like myself, um, no self-confidence at all. And that was a tough period, um, tough period in my life. But at some point, um, I started going to church and um, started really getting into religion. Um, I later found out there's a difference between religion and an actual relationship with God. But I'll get into that some other time. But it was religion that I was doing um, at that particular time. And, but religion was, um, kind of okay for that period because that did kind of take me away from this person that didn't really care whether she lived or died to a person who actually at least cared if she lived or died. And, um, it gave me a different kind of outlet where, um, even though I still kind of felt insecure, um, it gave me a different outlet or something else to focus on. So I didn't have to focus on my A, eating disorder and my B, insecurity. So uh, religion was, uh, was kind of the ticket that kind of get me out of that mindset. And uh, ended up meeting a guy that was uh, a young minister. And uh, we dated for several years in my early 20s. And I thought we were going to get married, but it turns out that we, well, we didn't. <laughs> it turns out that we didn't. No, we actually didn't. <laughs> um, but in that relationship, I was able to really see um, that I was this really insecure person and that um, I really needed a lot of work and a lot of help on getting myself from this very insecure person to, you know, somebody that had a little bit more self-confidence. Um, and I feel like as I was building that self-confidence, then um, he kind of stepped out of the relationship with somebody else and um, kind of, uh, well, I guess, cheated, I guess, you know, basically that's what it is. We weren't married, but so can you cheat if you're not married, but you're in a committed relationship I guess so <laughs> so that's what happened he was a, he cheated and uh, so that kind of took me backwards on the whole security train but I didn't go all the way backwards because what ended up happening after that we broke up and what ended up happening after that was two things um, and this was probably, I was at my mid to late um, 20s at that point. 
so what happened was I ended up, I've had years of fibroid tumors uh, that I've had several of them removed. Well, of course, now I've had a whole hysterectomy. So, you know, that's 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 been done and over with for a long time. But <laughs> uh, back then, so I had these fibroids. I had my first surgery, having my first fibroids removed. And um, at that particular point, um, it was told to me by my doctors that I would have trouble uh, conceiving. So if I um, wanted to be a mother, that, that would be difficult. Um, but in dating this particular guy, he had a, um, a daughter from a previous relationship and we were kind of close and we were kind of cool. And, um, she was young and I kind of felt like stepmom, even though we weren't really technically married, I kind of felt like stepmom. Um, so when we broke up, that was kind of a loss of two things. I lost the relationship and lost of being this stepmom role. Um, and then, you know, I had these surgeries for um, these fibroids and then being told by doctors that, you know, I probably would never have kids or it would be very, very, very difficult um, to have kids. And so... At 27, I started the process of adopting because um, I didn't, uh, I, I really liked that stepmother role, um, but, you know, I wanted to be a mother and I just didn't know um, how else to do it. I wasn't married at the time, and so I really wanted to uh, be a mother. I felt that would give me some purpose, and, and it did. So um, I started the process of doing my home study to um, adopt, and then so that was at 27. So at 28 um, was when I adopted my daughter. And so that gave me a lot of uh, purpose. Um, that plus... Um, I was learning then how to have an actual relationship with God, not just the religious, uh, what the religion tells you, but just actually learning about God and learning that, oh, all these rules and things. It, yes, the Bible does talk about all these rules and things, but religion likes to always tell you what the rules are, but don't tell you how you're supposed to do the rules, but then tell you if you're wrong, if you don't do the rules right, but they can't tell you how to do the rules right. <laughs> Whereas the relationship is like, okay, yes, the Bible does say these things, but guess what? If you don't live up to it, I'm not going to come and smite you, you know, just like a parent-child relationship. You know, if you if you give your child a set of rules and they don't do the rules, you don't, you know, kick them to the curb and wag you. I mean, sometimes you wag your finger at them and say, I told you not to blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you try to teach your children there's consequences to your actions. So, yes, you here's the rules and you can choose to go by the rules or you can break the rules. But whichever choice you have, there's a consequence to you know, the choice that you make. And sometimes the consequences are minor and sometimes the consequences are, are you know, large. And, you know, I feel like a relationship with God is kind of the same way. 
It's not all about rules, what you can't do. You cannot do this. You cannot do that. You know, the Bible is clear what it says. But I feel like when you have a relationship with God, that he knows that you're not going to be perfect. He knows that you're not going to be, you know, I mean, because I feel like he doesn't want you to be a rigid robot. He wants you to be yourself. But he has these rules and instructions in his word to help you be a better person, do better things, be a more well-rounded person without the whole wagging the finger that religion says that he does. So that's my take on that. But So at 28, I um, adopted my daughter. Well, it was actually at 29 I adopted her, but she came to my home. I was her foster parent um, at 28 uh, with the purposes of adopting her. So it took a year um, to get to that <clears throat> adoption point there. So um, at that point is when I think probably the wall started going up because, um, you know, I felt like I had to be strong for her. Um, I had to be, you know, had to at least appear like I was strong and appear that I was confident and appear that, you know, I was all these things. And uh, so it's probably when the uh, pretend me came into play um, because I couldn't let anybody know that I really was um, not as strong as I portrayed because um, I, I could be a single mother is what I remember thinking. I could be a single mother. This is not, this is, you know, it, it's going to be hard, but I can do it. You know, I don't, I don't need this. I don't need that, you know. So, yeah, I think that's probably when, you know, the pretend me was birthed. And um, yeah, yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> I think that's when the pretend me came out, and uh, boy, she when she came out, she didn't she didn't take any prisoners either. <laughs> so that's the birth of the pretend me. Um, I'll end this episode here, but I'll go into more of the pretend me in my next episode. So. I just didn't want to make this episode too long. But uh, thank you so much for listening. And, uh, you know, until next time, I'll go further into the pretend me. And, uh, yeah, we'll just walk this journey together. So, again, thanks for listening. Until next time, take care. <laughs>